Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Thumbs up? Yeah, praise God. Got to be filled with hope. Come on. The God of all hope. Praise God. There's so much going on. It's wonderful. Uh, we have finished the, um, praise the Lord, we have finished the renovation of the admin building. Hallelujah. So we're, we've moved our offices back in and got the computers and the financial stuff all set back up. And so tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, if you're able, just come. I think it'll only take a couple hours. We want to move uh, House of Mercy and all of the freezers. We've rented the pallet jacks and all that stuff. So if you could come tomorrow and be able to help us for a couple hours, that'd be great. Um, we'll have House of Mercy back in admin next week. So praise God for that. Um, lots of outreach stuff going. We, uh, we just spent two nights, some, some of us and our team, some of our worship guys, they worshiped all night, <laughs> well, all weekend, Friday night and Saturday night in Whiteville at the Barn Burners. And uh, it was amazing. I was there Friday night. A little hot, a little buggy, but hey, offering that sacrifice, it was just really good. And Pastor Mike uh, Thornton was there uh, last night pulling down the house, and it was just, uh, I heard it was really good. So thank God for that. Um, we'll, we'll see more of the revelation of what God's doing in North Carolina. I think I mentioned to you that uh, the Billy Graham Association, Franklin Graham, they're going to blitz North Carolina in October. Five cities are going to come. They've selected Wilmington October 5th. So right after the Voice of the Apostles, which is up in Lancaster, we've got a couple just moved back from Lancaster visiting us today. Welcome, Ken and Ann. Good. Welcome back uh, to God's country. I know Lancaster is beautiful too, but, um, but every, they'll have, uh, Lancaster will be hosting again Voice of the Apostles. We'll be up there. We'll come back uh, uh, that particular Saturday. And then Legion Stadium at 4 o'clock on October 5th. You don't want to miss that. There is a planning meeting that will happen this week. We'll be over with, uh, with uh, Franklin Graham's organization. So put that aside on your calendar. Um, also, the Curie Breach Outreach. That's, uh, that's where we go out and we just worship and we acknowledge that God is God. And Pleasure Island gets invaded by all the wonderful worship of God. So if you can come out this coming weekend, that'd be great for that as well. Um, I don't know if you've had opportunity to come and uh, visit the farm stand, but it was on Channel 6 News. How many got to see that this weekend? Channel 6 came over. They did a, an interview with a, of our Rise Up Community Farm organic food. If you don't have money, just come and get some fresh vegetables, and it was just really nice to uh, really see them be raised up. We had some of our youth there also telling how they're learning how to get their hands dirty and something about business, learning about all of that, so it was good. Um, this, we've been doing a, really a, a, I've been here 21 years, my 21st year, but we've never done anything as intense as this in our intercession. After Jack Taylor and Leif Hetland came, you know, our papa and brother came and spoke of revival and what God was going to do in this region, we've been on a, you know, we could sit down and muscle this out and plan revival meetings, and we just said, no, 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 what do you want to do? And so we've been interceding on Wednesdays from 9 to 10.30 with our core of intercessors. And uh, what's come out of that, what's emerged out of that is 12 spheres, which we believe we are to pray into. So we have taken a month. We're going to take the next six months, maybe a little longer. And we're in the government sphere right now. And how many have seen, you watch any of the news, man, the, the minutiae's hit the fan here, right? With all that's going on, all the chaos and division and everything. And so praying for our government is pretty key. And so we're going to fast this Wednesday. If you'd like to join us, uh, take Wednesday and you ask God what it is that you might fast. It could be media, it could be food, it could be whatever. Um, 
And Wednesday, join us in a fast, 24-hour fast, for God to touch the government of the United States. Is that good? Joel says, pray, ask, seek. You have not. He looks in Ezekiel. He says, I'm looking for somebody that will stand in the gap that I don't have to curse the land. And so we are a priesthood. He says in Revelation 1.6, he said, he has made you a kingdom of priests. Kings and priests. That whole priesthood of the believer, separate sermon. But in 1 Peter 2, he says, I've made you a holy nation, a royal priesthood. The living stones. So why don't we let our living stones come together in this place and call unto God. God, we need you to come. <laughs> right? We need you to come. We're in, a, in an amazing time in the earth. There's lots happening. God has caused us to be in this place at this time. So why don't you join us for a fast on Wednesday if you can. And if you're free, come and join us. The following week, I believe... We're going to go down to the federal building. This is one of our calls. There are going to be prayer walks and outreaches, but we'll probably the following Wednesday, we'll take our prayer team down to the federal building there on Water Street. I went and reconnoitered there this uh, past weekend, and uh, we're going to take communion. We're going to ask the Lord. There's a lot of history I don't have time to go into. We've been there before on that river with lots of stuff. The rabbis have come and purified the waters. Um, in the past, we got on the the battleship and blew the shofars years back. And there's just been a number of history. Remember our, our walk to restore after 1898's curse where the government was overthrown here. The only time in the United States there's been a coup was here. And so we've, we've done a lot of positioning, but this is the place where we come and we call out to God. So I'm just inviting you, if you'd like to be part of that, join us. If not, pray where you are. Uh, invade his presence and ask him to come and touch us uh, for this government sphere. I believe the next sphere we're going to pray into is the family sphere. Family is under massive attack in the United States. Hagee was on uh, Levin the other night, uh, John Hagee, Pastor Hagee. He, say, he, gave, he raised a statistic. He said over 80% of the children being raised in the United States today are not living with one or both of their birth parents. And so... We know the assault and the enemies there against the family, so we have to stand. <laughs> if my people would pray and humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their ways, then I would hear from heaven and heal the land. Amen. So Amen. he's not talking about those that are not his. He's talking about the, the sons and daughters of God who cry. So I just want to invite you to do that and, and come and be a part of that, all right? August 2nd, the healing service. I've been, um, I've been with um, Susan Starr in Brazil with Randy Clark, after she, she was in hospice, she was given, she was on her deathbed, there was no question, and then she came to a church in North Carolina, Rodney Hogue, a friend of mine, prayed over every one of her organs, and God restored her miraculously, and now she has a ministry, and so when you invite people who have come into that anointing, right, so if you know anyone who is sick, tormented, needs a pr touch, bring them Seven o'clock, we'll worship on August 2nd right here, and we're going to ask God to do what only He can do. Yeah. Signs following out. Just, just didn't come and just soak. Be part of that. If we'll come and ask Him, I believe He's going to do signs that verify the message is true. Amen? All right. Well, Lord, we just come before You this morning. We thank You for the privilege of being with people of like faith. Lord, we welcome those who are listening by live stream. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. I pray for each member here. I pray for our Spanish church right now, lift it up. I pray for our missionaries 
It's good to have Kent here this morning from Mozambique. Lord, we thank you for last week. We heard from Peyton and Julie in Costa Rica and came and preached a powerful message on the zeal for my father's house. Lord, we pray for Nepal. We pray for Israel. We pray for the United States. Lord, we thank you that you're faithful and that your kingdom is advancing. Your kingdom is advancing. <laughs> it's, it's advancing, God. We thank you. And it says the violent take it by force, this battle. But you also said that the, that the darkness would not prevail against us. And we thank you for that. So, Lord, I ask your Holy Spirit now to come blow on us. Come, Holy Spirit. You're welcome to lead and guide and direct us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we didn't get the date wrong on your handout. If you don't have the handout, uh, let us get you one. Just, you, does anybody need a handout? Um, would... Uh, Terry's going, Teresa's going to get us some. Just leave them up for a second. Um, last week, I was going to bring part two of a... We actually had four weeks. Bishop came and shared about the law of faith. How many were here for the law of faith sermons? Okay. How many were here two weeks ago for the just shall live by faith? Okay. How many were not here for that? Okay. A few of you. All right. Um, I'm just going to try to quickly accelerate over that. I want to finish this week. We were going to do it last week, but then when Peyton came in town, we just said, Let, we want to hear from him. So I'm going to pick up today, and uh, let's begin. Okay, yeah, let's leave your hands up for a second. Thank you. Why don't you turn with me to Romans chapter 1. When Pastor Peyton was here last week, and Julie from uh, Costa Rica... His message on the zeal for my father's house. He really hammered home that we can't compromise the word of God. But if you're lukewarm, there is a potential for us to lose zeal. And he used that scripture of Jesus driving out the money changers. But it also sounds like what Paul was addressing here in the book of Romans. So if you'll turn to Romans 1 and look at, let's look at verse 16. I want to re read both the King James and the New Living, the thought for thought, and then the word for word translation. I'll start with the word for word in the King James. Verse 16, Romans 1, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. New Living Translation says it this way, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, we, we spent two weeks looking at the law of faith, the principles of the law of faith. It was, it was really just awesome, inspired me. Then when we says the just shall live by faith, if you look at your outline, first of all, we established a couple weeks ago we said faith is not only a concept, but it is a substance. It has substance. 
We said faith can be measured. We looked at Romans 12.3 said, well, how do you measure this? Well, the Apostle Paul in Romans 12.3 says, I give you this warning. That's an interesting one. Don't think above yourselves or think better of yourselves than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. King James says, think soberly about yourself. Measure yourself by the faith that God's given you. So thinking soberly about yourself. Um, anybody tell me what the, the scripture is that we as a body of believers started January with? Consider your ways. Haggai 1.7, right? We said, look, we're going to take this year, we're going to consider our ways. Consider what you're doing. Where are you? What's your thought life like? What do you watch? Who do you hang with? What's your entertainment? Consider your ways. He says in Haggai, if you will consider your ways, in chapter 2 he says, even when the seed is in the barn, I want to bless you. You haven't even planted the seed yet. And he says, I want to bless you. That's what I want to do. But it required them to consider their ways. And so Paul's saying the same thing. If you want to measure yourself, measure yourself by the faith that God's given you. And don't get too overly convinced about how, how wonderful and righteous you might be, right? That's, that's humility. Well, then he goes on and he says, he tells us that there's a measure of faith. 1 Corinthians 12, 9, we know that there's a gift of faith. But then he also tells us there's a fruit. And so faithfulness is a fruit. We see that in Galatians. So how do you get more faith? Hearing the word. Where's that scripture written? Romans 10, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I challenge you. I, I tried this. <laughs> it, it does work. If you turn off all other bits of noise and you really set your focus, it could be I just started really soaking down TBN. I was listening. I just kind of spent a, a great deal of my time in the word, listening to other preachers. And guess what? My faith level was going... I heard testimonies. If you listen to testimonies, who was on there? TBN, they were, they were calling in. The words of knowledge were flying over the airwaves. And someone, would, they called out the name. And that person called in and said, I was healed of that thing. I'm like, come on. I'm telling you, faith comes by here. So try this. Get in the word. Read the word. Put on the music. Go in your car. Shut off the noise for it. And watch what happens. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Why? Because Hebrews 4.12 says this, the Word of God is full of living power. And it's able to cut between your soulish realm, your mind, your will, your emotion, cut between that and the Spirit. Right? So if the Word of God's full of power, why don't we get it? <laughs> get it on the inside, right? Start walking in it. And when we start doing that, faith comes by hearing. You'll start to operate in a new level, and that's what we've been doing. Why are we soaking in principles, what I call foundational principles of faith, spending a month because we want all of us grounded in a place we believe God will do what he said he did. He did it. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. Bishop started. That means when he healed everybody, right? It says there was a healing anointing on Christ in the New Testament, and he healed everyone. I'm waiting for the day. When, when uh, Randy guys came last week, right, we had uh, Marcus came. He walked into our church, invited by somebody else. He didn't even know we were a global church at that point. And he said, uh, I was just in Brazil, and we're seeing an increase. We're seeing over 70% of the people in our meetings get healed. And then he released that over the house. 
Can't wait to see it happen here. Well, what happened? You've got to have a people of faith. We know that principle. Remember what happened? This is in um, Mark uh, 6. Remember it says Jesus went to his hometown and he couldn't do many miracles there. He had just been in another place where he sent a whole bunch of people free. What was it? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this the son of Mary? Right? And then he goes, he says, what is it? So what happens when we dumb down faith, when we don't believe what God said, we don't operate in it, or we walk in faith, or maybe we've not seen the fruition of everything we've been praying for, and we start to believe the liar, he sits there and he chirps in your ear, what happens? Dumbs down faith. So when we hear testimonies of the miraculous, the things that God did yesterday, today, he's going to do forever, we, the, what happens, you get a group of people together that believe him, God has a, a landing pad where he can come and operate. And so that's why we're, we're re- rehashing this principles of the foundation of faith. But I want to encourage you, this fast could be turn off all the other noise and get into the word all day. Practice his presence all day. Put a song on your lips. Put your earbuds in and just worship him all day long. And let's see what happens. See what the God would do to those who are in pursuit of him. I think it would be really an amazing test to see. You can't come and just get in, you know, two hours and like then go and then just let it go all day. That's why he told Joshua, meditate on this word day and night. Set it before you day and night and be obedient to what it says and then you will prosper in everything you do. You're not prospering right now? You might want to go read Joshua 1. Go read it and then put God in Put them in remembrance. God, you said, you know. All right, I'm off track. Praise God, but it's a good track. All right, so let's pick up here. It says, so how much, how important is faith? Jesus, we also shared, he says in Matthew, and he says in Luke, I think it's Luke 18. It was actually in our devotional this morning. My wife and I were looking at it. He says, when he comes back, when Jesus returns, will he find faith in the earth? Now, we know it's going to wax worse and worse. It's getting pretty wicked out there, right? We know it's going to wax worse and worse. He says, so when I return, will I find a people? Will there be a remnant? If they're still here, those who believe in the pre-trib rapture, you you say, well, we're out of here, so it's okay. Well, okay, but if if you're a mid-tribber and we're still here when he comes back, um, will he find faith? Will you be so disenchanted by everything you see, the wickedness shall rise and the love of many will grow cold? Guard your heart, he says. Be careful. Those are the practices. Okay, let's pick up. Look at your outline for a minute. That scripture is used four times. The just shall live by faith. It's, we covered this last time. Habakkuk, that word, sadig, is a Hebrew word. It's an adjective. It's actually found 206 times in the Old Testament. And its meaning is justified by the actions and behavior that meets a godly standard. We, we know this, right? In James, it says, show me your works. <laughs> I'll show you my, work, my, my faith by my works, right? So I want to encourage you. This is, I'm not trying to be uh, condemning or anything, but when there's a prayer meeting or there's a burn or there's a worship night or there's need for an outreach to come and help, it'd be really good if you'd come and help, Right? It's, it's disheartening. I know the statistics, 20% do all the real work of the church. <laughs> but I'm encouraging you to step in it because once you do that, you, you know that ripple effect that Lisa was talking about? 
Yeah, it can get messy, it can get sweaty, and it can get hot, and you'll find people that will annoy you. They're broken. They're not saved. Right? And so you go out there and you minister and you keep your love on, and God does something in here, and he does something out there. And so there's something about working in faith that says if you will be obedient to what he tells you. So there's something about the righteous, the just ones, they have been judged by a godly standard of behavior that meets God's standard, and they become justified by it. And so it's also in, in, implies that it's active. It's not like, well, I used to have a lot of faith in actions that I was, but I don't have too much right now. Well, it implies that there's this activity of an ongoing relationship. So this, we saw that. It says, the just shall live by faith. And I read Hebrews 11. I'm not going to do that this morning. But we looked at all of the, those people that were in the hall of faith that were blessed by all their actions. And it says, some of them saw it, kingdoms overthrown. But it says, others were destitute, starving, cut in half, and they never saw the promise. And they're waiting with such a great cloud of witnesses now for us to finish our race. Isn't that awesome? Okay, turn with me. Turn with me. I wasn't going to go here, but I just felt the Holy Spirit say this. Turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi 3 for a minute. And I'm not going to preach tithing to you, I promise. Okay. Um, Malachi 3. It says, on the day of judgment, the coming day of judgment. Now, that's interesting. But it says there's a promise. After the whole promise of I'll rebuke the devourer if you'll tithe, you don't rob from me. All right? Verse 16. He says, Malachi 3.16. Interesting, another 3.16 verse. Those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. In the presence, in His presence... Now get that, you are talking to someone about God, <laughs> and you're in his presence, because if two or three of you are together, right, in his name, he's there, right? He says, in his presence, so you are seated in a heavenly realm, and a scroll of remembrance is now being written. This is your hall of fame, or your hall of faith record that is being kept. You could put your name right there, it says, they're going to pull up the record of your faith talk. And it says, he in his presence has a scroll giver who sits there and says, you getting this, right? He says, there's a scroll of remembrance that was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and on the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. Whoa. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Then again, you will see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. I want you to see that you've got a hall of fame, a hall of faith being written right now in heaven. And every time you testify, you give a witness, you give a cold cup of water to someone who's in his name, you go to the jail, you serve the people that come in and house, however you're choosing to do that, 
when you're telling a loved one or you're arguing with, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, even if I got family members that want to throw me out, right? It says, I got a scroll of remembrance, and it is your record that I believe on that day when you stand before him, he'll call up, what is your name? Because we know there's a book of life. We know there's a book of works. There's multiple books in heaven. He says, on that day in Revelation, when the books are opened. So you get the vision of them. Daniel tells us you're going to stand in the courtroom before Christ on that day, and he's going to call up the record. He's going to get your name. And he's going to pull it up, and it's at that point. It's like, oh, man, that ought to motivate us, right? Okay, back on track. Here we go. So it says faith is a substance, and it's by faith, number three there, Faith, the number four, is faith is a substance. It's measured. We knew it's either great or small. We remember we went through the example of the Roman officer who says, just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus stops. He says, I have not found any faith like this in all of Israel. So there, he says he has great faith, if you look at that in Matthew 8.10, number four there. But then he goes on and says, his disciples could not deliver a little boy in Matthew 17.20. And he says, you have little faith. He calls them a faithless and perverse. So he had given them the commission to go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, and they didn't do it. And he says, you didn't have enough faith for it. So without faith, it's impossible to please him. We know that, right, in Hebrews? So with faith, you can do all things. He tells the Father in that case, it's also in Mark 9, he says, help me with my unbelief, Jesus. And he says, if it's possible. He goes, what do you mean if it's possible? All you need is faith, and all things are possible. And so this thing about faith is an amazing desire that we should be in pursuit of. And if you get it by hearing the Word of God, get in the Word of God. <laughs> all right. All right, that's setting the foundation. Let's look at the, the principles of this. Okay, number six. The law of faith. We know from Romans there's a law. But I want to use the example of the higher law in the natural versus, so example, when, um, when Peter walked on water, he violated every rule of, of the natural law, right? Right? When Jesus calmed the storms, when he cleansed the leper, well, let me give you an example. So there, we're in pursuit right now. As a body of believers, we are in pursuit of the higher supernatural calls of faith. We want to see the deaf here, the blind have their eyes opened. We want to see the tumors disappear. Those who are battling, we want to lay hands on them. And they, it says in Mark 16, these will be the signs of those who believe. If you're a believer here, then we need to be wondering why signs are not following to the extent. Correct? We can't just settle about, oh, well, he'll do whatever he wants to do. No, no, no. He said, if you're a believer, th this is what convicted me back in 2001. I resigned from General Electric. I'm reading, I'm like, I'm here as a, one year as a pastor, and I don't see a whole lot of signs following me. I did not resign from my career to sit here and occupy space. And then I said, Lord, you got to show me. What, what do I do now? And Randy Clark comes to the church. He says, we're going to Brazil. And I had this kind of stirring. And that opened up, and then we went. And I saw miracles. And I saw things how I said, okay. So what is it? If this is the belief system that we're after, those who believe these should follow. They should be able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. They should be able to cast out demons in my name. Amen. Right? He goes on with that. It should be able to handle deadly things without harm. 
If you've ever been in a nation where they're coming after you to kill you, cursing you, warlocks, sending blood sacrifice, you're handling deadly things. But he says in Luke 11, these will be the things. You'll walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them, and no way will harm or evil come against you. I've given you authority over that, right? And so there's this level of faith that we're operating in. We're asking God, we want to operate in this condition. What are the conditions that activate faith? Now, Bishop covered this a few weeks ago. The woman with the issue of blood, right? She said unto herself, first of all, she was desperate. Twelve years, no money. She's still bleeding. She can't get it. She'd heard about the master. And she said to herself, if I can just grab his hem, violate all the natural laws of a, a woman with that issue, that was against the law, a man touching a man, that was all against the rules. She goes, i got to violate the rules because Holy Spirit has told her, grab his hem. When she grabs the hem, this is an amazing principle. Jesus says virtue left him. It says, he says, something has exited me. God himself was not able to stop the flow of life. He was, it appears he wasn't aware, but it, it activated something. There was a condition of her behavior that said, if I do this, it will activate kingdom flow. You know, he turns and says, hey, someone's touching me. The disciples say, hey, everybody's touching. No, 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 no. Someone touched me, right? And so we know there are conditions. And that was a case of an individual getting in the right place with the right conditions. We also know Jesus operated in those conditions, right? With the man at Bethesda who's waiting. He's there. He's crippled. And Jesus says, take up your mat. So God can do it, sovereignly give a word, or you can come in touch with a condition and activate that in such a way. Well, what are those conditions? <laughs> Let's pursue this, all right? Now, we know there are natural laws. Let me give you, give you an example here. I remember the first time I flew with my wife, we were getting on one of those jumbo jets, and I think it were 400 people, and I mean, I don't know how many tons of steel were there. And I said, we're okay. It's got a GE aircraft engine on it. I was working for GE at the time. It's going to be all right. We're going to get it. But she's like, how the heck is that thing going to fly, Right? Well, here's the principle. Gravity has existed, but aerodynamics existed. The principles of aerodynamics existed from the foundation of God. We just didn't know about it, right? How about your cell phone? It always existed, that technology. We just hadn't had the revelation of it yet. Hello? And so here it is. If you get thrust, if you get a G engine with thrust operating over the aileron with just the right curvature, it'll cause lift. You got to get the right speed. You got to get the right geography. geometry on that, when you get the speed and the geometry and you lift, lift overcomes, aerodynamic overcomes the natural law of gravity. Now, you stop it and you get back into gravity, right? So there it is in the principle. How about in the Old Testament he said, don't touch a leper. You'll be unclean. Leviticus, I have it in there. I think it's Leviticus 13. Don't touch a leper. Why? Because you'll get virus. It'll spread to you. In the New Testament, he says, go lay hands on the sick. Well, which principle are we talking about here? We're talking about both. But I'll tell you, when we went into the leper colonies and we lay hands on those that have no digits and they, we, we pray for them, what, we, didn't get, we didn't get sick. Why? Because there's a greater principle. It says, the Holy Spirit who dwells and lives in you, now you go and lay hands on the sick because you have attachment, attachment with my kingdom and the sick shall recover. It's a command. It wasn't a great suggestion. It's the great commission, right? It's the great commission. And you say, well, why am I not? Well, I don't want to do it wrong. I don't want to embarrass God. Man, where does it say that? He Come on, step out. And so lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. 
And so we see that principle. I listed a bunch of them there. Water to wine, walking on water, calming storms, dead rays, blind sea, the lame walk, lepers cleansed. I remember several years back, uh, my daughter Katie was with one of our House of Mercy guys. This lady had come in. She had seven surgeries, and she was legally blind. And just then, Katie and Neelish laid hands on her, and her sight restored. And she went back to the surgeon. <laughs> we have this documented. Went back to the surgeon. She goes, you, you can't be seeing like you're seeing. He goes, well, I'm seeing. And who did it? Jesus did it, <laughs> right? But it took two people that says, wait a minute. We're going to hear God on this. And I, yes, in the natural, you cut that nerve ending. You can't see. Well, guess what? God can restore that. He's a sovereign God. We just need some folks that said, God can do what he said, Right? And so I'm asking God to raise the level of faith. Keep growing in faith. Number seven, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Renew your mind. This is, this is important. Right now, you've got a challenge. I heard several words the other day about watch what you say. It was in our journal uh, devotional in the morning. I turned on TBN, and someone was, watch your word. It was actually Hagee's son was on there. He says, you've got to watch what you say. Be careful what you say. And so I was like, okay. And then renew your mind. Challenge your thought life. What are you thinking? This week, my wife and I have been trying to live that out. And when the thought comes in about something negative, we flip it to be positive. And sometimes it sounds so horrendous. Like, we're going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just in challenging all of us. Guard your heart. Because it says in Proverbs there, 7C, it, out of it comes the essence or life. What is in your heart is your life eternal. As a man or woman believes in their heart, so it is, Proverbs 23. And we've all been tainted by stuff that happens in our life, brokenness, abuse, whatever we've been conditioned with growing up, circumstances, culture. Challenge it. Challenge it against this is the plumb line. We've been hearing over and over. If my mom calls me another morning and says, it's about the plumb line, I'm like, I know, mom. She's in this scripture and has the plumb lines here. It's gold here. I'm like, I know, Mom. I got it, Mom. It's like, this is the plumb line. The Word of God is a plumb line, and if you're on the other side of the plumb, you got a problem. And so challenge your thoughts. Challenge your experiences. Just because it doesn't happen, we're going to call those things that be not as though they were, right? Romans 14, 7, is it 7? 14, 7, right? 4, 4 7, almost close. Romans 4, 17. Thank you, Ms. Nancy. Call those things that be not as though they were. All right. Life and death are in your tongue. Control your tongue. James says, and Matthew says, you know, whatever comes out of your heart is what is in your heart. Whatever comes out of your mouth is in your heart. James says, if you can control your tongue, you're a godly, spirit-led man. So help us, Jesus. <laughs> Life and death in it. Pursue his presence. This one kind of challenged me. Um, do you know that Jesus spent all night in prayer with his Father? How many of us have ever spent all night in prayer with the Father? You don't have to raise your hand on that one. Um, Luke 5.16. Let's turn there for a minute. Um, turn with me to Luke's, Luke's gospel there. Luke 5.16.
Let's pick, uh, let's read in verse 15. It says, despite Jesus' instruction, the report of his power spread. He, he was trying to tell everybody, don't go talk about all the miracles you're experiencing. Yeah, right. That worked really well. And so he was probably pretty tired. He says, but despite Jesus' instruction, the report of this power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to him to hear him preach and to be healed from their diseases. But Jesus often, you might want to underline often, withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So Jesus himself, and if, if you look, uh, let's see, it, turn over to 612, just turn one page. It says, one day soon after, Luke 6, 12, one day soon afterwards, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. He prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all the disciples, and he chose the 12 to be apostles. So that connection that Jesus, the Son of God, had with God the Father, that, you, you would think the communion, it says, you know, but Jesus, there was a discipline. There's a discipline to relationship. You got to work at it. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about, right? I always say marriage is designed to kill both of you, right? It'll kill your flesh. It will. Come on, I'm you know what I'm talking about, right? And so you got to put 100% in. But there's a relationship. There's this, there's this place. Jesus spent all night asking, Father, who are the 12 you selected? It says he had a group of disciples. Can you imagine that, man? A football team. We used to play in the street, right? Uh, you're on my team, and you're. Jesus is picking his team of 12. And he even picks Judas because the father knew what he would do, right? Worked it out for his plan. But can you imagine? Those guys were a bunch of characters. John and Peter, they'd argue, I'm greater than you are. And I mean, they had a bunch of issues that he had to work out with them. But it says that Jesus prayed all night. There's something about intercession and humility and getting quiet with God. And when Barna says, charismatic, born-again, evangelical Christians pray less than four minutes per day. We've got to get back to the roots of this thing and just ask God, because in that intimacy of that relationship, one, it'll uncover stuff that is broken in us. He'll bring revelation. He'll help bring healing. So I'm just encouraging us to pursue intimacy with Him. Be with Him and ask the Lord. If Jesus needed to get it right, asking His Father and prayed all night to get the revelation of that, man, how much more? Do we need it? He goes on, he says, I've already shared this, but living like Paul the Apostle, number eight there, live not ashamed of the gospel, but the power. Paul was not ashamed. But this active relationship, turn with me for a minute. We've got a few minutes. Turn with me to Acts 19. Now, this has many faceted principles in there about intimacy and relationship. That ongoing relationship that this principle of faith has that we need to walk with him daily, be in that place of active faith, active obedience. In Acts 19, there's an interesting part. First of all, it's encouraging. Do you know that the devil knows who the spirit-filled believers are? The devil knows. If you're spirit-filled, he knows who you are. Uh, in fact, we've had validation of that. You know, we'll walk in. It says, why have you come here to torment us, right? And so, anyway, look at this scripture. It's, it's got a lot of re interesting facets to it. In Acts 19, let's pick up in verse 13. Acts 19, 13. There were a group of Jews that were traveling town to town, casting out evil spirits. So it was a traveling deliverance show, right? They were traveling, and obviously they must have had some success because they were going from town to town. They didn't quit once, you know. 
They tried to use they 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 tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantations, saying, "I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out." The seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. So this priest had seven sons, and they were exorcists, right? But one time they tried it, and the evil spirit replied, "I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you?" Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence, they fled from the house naked and battered. Talk about naked and afraid. That could be a show, right? And so get the picture of this. (laughs) Obviously, they've had some success. Now, we know from Mark 9, when Jesus cast the demon out of the little boys, remember, they bring him, the disciples couldn't do it, and he says, Jesus was then asked by the disciples later, why couldn't we do that? Because this kind goes out by prayer and fasting, right? So there are different kinds. We know that from Ephesians 6, there are levels of darkness, principalities and powers of darkness in high places. We know about territorial spirits. You get that out of the book of Daniel, right? There's a, there's a territorial spirit that when Daniel started to pray, the archangel had to come and fight that spirit. Anyway, so we know that there are dark levels, they obviously came across somebody who had a dark, high spirit. And so what worked in the past, they could use the name, but he says, I know Paul. The demon says this. I know Paul, and I know Jesus. Who are you? Like, who do you think you are? You don't have the level of authority. You can't do this in your human strength. You can't do it. you got to have the name of Jesus. Remember he said in Mark 16, cast out demons in my name. Well, who's authorized to use his name? the ones who are part of the family who have the family name, all right? And so they don't have the family name. And so that demon, he attacks seven of them, rips their clothes off, beats them up, and can you imagine coming back from the, the high priest? Saying, so how did it go? He goes, it didn't go too good. <laughs> yeah. Right? There's so many principles in that about relationship and authority. The Roman officer said, you just need to say the word, my servant's healed. Jesus said, oh, I've not even seen faith like this. There's, there, there, yeah, he was the Roman officer. He was an Italian regiment. Pat likes that. The Italians have so much faith. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. In Jesus' name. All right. So let's, let's go on. It says, when you look at this, renewing your mind, guarding your heart, pursuing him, living in that place. Well, Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. But I want to pursue this. Sometimes you're going to be asked to do some things that are just plumb strange. And it's going to be like, you doing what? I mean, I have some people come to me sometimes, and they, the Lord said, and, I, and they tell me what it is, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I sure hope that's you. <laughs> you know? I'm not going to tell them I didn't hear from the Lord. But let's look at this one. Turn with me back to um, 2 Kings 5. This is a weird one. We were just in Israel in November, and we actually went to the place that the, the Israelis believe is the actual place on the Jordan River where Naaman came and washed himself. And we looked at him. I was thinking this big, broad thing. It was like it was like a creek, and it's muddy, and it's like the banks are. I'm like, wow, I can see why Naaman would go, huh? Right, all right, let's, let's read this. But there's, a, again, the principles here in faith are interesting. Verse 1, chapter 5, 2 Kings 5, 1. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army. See, he's high level. Because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But through Naaman, though he was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Now that's a problem. 
Can you be, imagine being the super commander and you got white skin and you're contagious? Not good, right? At that time, the Armean raiders had invaded the land of Israel. Among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. So get this point. They've just, this battle's going on and Israel's under assault by this king's army. Not exactly a great thing. Why would you want to heal an enemy? That's interesting. All right, let's just park that. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him from his leprosy. So his word, obviously, was, his fame was out there, the prophet. So Naaman told the king what the young girl of Israel had said. Go visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take you to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying gifts, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. The king of Israel read the letter, tore his clothes in dismay and said, this man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I can see he's just trying to pick a fight with me. When Elisha, Elisha, the man of, of God, heard what the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent a message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he'll learn that there's a true prophet here in Israel. What a way to influence this right mighty army. So Naaman went and, with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a message out to him. Now, this is kind of interesting. Talk about honor and what is he doing? He, he sends his servant out there. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of leprosy. Naaman got angry, stalked, stalked away. He would certainly come out and meet me. Like, you know, here's pride. You would think it's probably protocol. You'd think someone like at a great, you should honor him. Well, he doesn't. It's all part of the test. This is a test. Say, this is a test. Right? Naaman's test. First, his pride is like, does he know who I am? He better come out here and tell me, right? No, I'm not coming out there. First test. All right. Humility. So he says, he should come out and at least meet me. I expect him to wave his hand. You see, now here's expectation. This is the way God should heal me. You ever said that? God, you're going to do it this way, this way, and this way? <laughs> Second test. I expect him to wave his hand over the leprosy, call out the name of God, and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, here we go, prideful arrogance, watch out America, watch out Americans, the pride of the rivers of Damascus and Abana and Farfar, Parfar, better than the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? Again, telling God how we ought to do it. So Naaman returned and went away in a rage. His officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something really difficult, would you have done it? So you certainly should obey what he says simply. Go and wash and be cured. So Naaman, can you see him storming down to the river like, yeah, right. Get in that ugly water that was there. It's like, oh, my God. So Naaman went down to the river Jordan, dipped himself seven times as the man of God instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him. And Naaman said, now I know there is no God in all the world except Israel. Well, we talk about a healing anointing. 
that opens the door, signs and wonders, verifying the message that is true. So please accept the gift from your servant. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any of your gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. Naaman said, all right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place. I want to take it back home with me. From now on, I will never again offer a burnt offering or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. Wow. Now that guy had influence, so you know he influenced others. He probably went and told his testimony. Let me tell you, they all knew who he was, right? He probably went back and said, I know who the God of Israel is. Well, he went on and says, but you need to pardon me for one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple of his God, Raman, to worship there and leans on my arm, May the Lord pardon me when I bow too. Go in peace, Elisha said. So Naaman started home again. I want you to see that sometimes he asks you to do some really wild stuff that doesn't make any sense, maybe culturally out of whack. And so we know that. I want to give you an example here. Take five minutes on this. One of the probably the most um, riveting times of impact of healing, and it was the largest number. I had 450 come to Christ in one setting. And it was, was the great, it was one of the greatest of all the battles that we had been in. How many were in Tanzania and Boma, Tanzania with us? One, two, three, four. Okay, so they can tell you, witness. So we were, um, we were there with um, Leif Hetland, Jack Taylor. Uh, we were kind of rotating from city to city. One day they would go and do the uh, healing on the kingdom, a healing anointing. Uh, Jim Rogers from Colorado was there. And so our group was to go and do deliverance. So they had been there the day before. I have the poster. I found it this week and cleaned up my office. I have this poster in Tanzania, Swahili, that lists our names and what we're coming. And we're coming to Boma. Now, wasn't that a smart idea? You're going to come do deliverance. You're going into a place filled with witchcraft, and they put your name on it, your poster, and the day you're coming. So you know, they're, you know what they're doing, all sorts of stuff, right? Well, a people of another faith who have a big mosque also heard we were coming. So the day before we arrived to do the deliverance, they, their, temp, their, their mosque is right next to the soccer field, which is a bunch of grass and weeds. <laughs> and they built a garbage bag uh, stanchion there that was high and lifted up. I'm not kidding. It was made out of sticks and logs and garbage bags. That's what it was. That was our altar, which is fine. God loves that. He shows up in stables too. And so, so here they, they got microphones blasting over the field in Swahili from the mosque. And there all sorts of, and I have a translator. The rest of the team doesn't really have translators. And so my translator, I'm sitting there. We had, I think it was four hours of every church. There were many, many small little churches, the Lutheran church, the Baptist church, right? They're all there, and every dance team wanted to do something. And we're, I'm sitting in the garbage bag thing, and I'm looking, I'm trying to smile and be happy and think. But in the meantime, my translator's telling me what the Swahili is saying. And as that's happening, the field that we're in, you have the believers, which later about lunchtime grew to about 1,000. But in the back, after lunch, there's now what we estimated close to 4,000 people in the field. And there's people of that other faith in full garb, hats on, standing there. We had some tribal people, Maasai, standing there in tribal. I'm looking at said, we are not in Kansas anymore, Toto, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, and I'm sitting in the garden, and, and I'm trying to be happy for all the dance teams. It was honoring us, and, and I'm here, and my translators telling me everything they're saying about faith against us and 
threatenings. And, and I'm like, and I had this battle going on in my spirit, man, that said, Lord, I got, I'm responsible for 16 Global River folks that are here and a couple of translators. And if this thing is going to get out of hand and we're going to get injured because they're allowed to kill infidels. Hello? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, and, I'm, and I got this battle going on in here. And I remember, I said, Lord, you've called us here. Why would you call us here if you didn't want us to be here? And, but I don't want to be presumptuous. And I'm looking at Scripture, I'm looking at my Bible, and it says, I get to Psalm 91. Right? Those who live in the shelter of the Most High and dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. They says, 10,000 may fall to the right and 1,000 to the left, but none of these evils will befall you, right? And I'm like, okay, God, yeah, yeah. And, and take an angel's charge over it. I like that scripture, God. But does that fit now? <laughs> and then, so, and I heard in my spirit, it was time, it was getting to the point where they're going to hand me the mic and I'm supposed to do my thing. And it was, there was a Lutheran pastor there who wasn't really, I don't believe, engaged in the healing anointing stuff, right? <laughs> he was there and he was cooperating and, um, he was somewhat of a skeptic, and he's about ready to hand me. And I, I remember asking Lord, I said, Lord, are we supposed to go home now, leave? And I heard in my spirit, you either go big or go home. And I'm like, and it wasn't like, a, it wasn't a nice like, you can go big or go home. Go big or go home. And like, okay, so let's go big. <laughs> so, so I got up there, and I preached, and I did a massive deliverance. On, I, I went through the destiny model in standing, and before lunch, I spent a couple hours working up to it, and then after lunch, I was going to do the deliverance part, and after lunch, 3,000 more people came and never heard the first part, and so I, I, I do this altar call, and 450 people, we estimated, came to the front to receive Christ, and now I'm like, okay, God, now I know you're here, right, and, and the loud, loudspeaker's still doing its thing, and, and they're back there, and they're like this, and so... I said, okay, team, line up in the front, and I want all those who are terminally ill or extremely sick come to the front. So our team, right, you guys are lined up in the front, and I don't know, Terry, I don't know how many guys you had in front of you. There were a long line in front of you, and I'm like, wow. I said, no, pastor, they got this wrong. I want the really, really sick people to come. Not headaches. And He goes, they are the really sick. And all of a sudden, it breaks out. You're hearing screams of deliverance behind us in the tent. You're seeing miracles. One of the first people we prayed for, a woman who had a tumor on her uterus, the tumor disappeared in her uterus. And so the pastor, he's getting kind of like, what? In, it's bedlam in the spirit. You know, it's like that chaos in the spirit, right? I said, Pastor, you interview them. Get them up here. The first woman who came up was a Muslim woman. All you could see was her eyes through her burqa, red and white burqa. And she came up, and I knew enough of English. She says, uh, tumor in the uterus. And she said, here's what she said. And the pastor translated, goes, I went to the Allah conference at the mosque, and I didn't get healed. And I came here, and Jesus healed me. And the place went crazy. And then it broke out. That testament broke out. When we got on the bus, the 16 folks who were with me, it was like Christians on steroids. I mean, it was like... You know what happened? This eye opened here and this tumor disappeared. I'm like, like, oh my God, we've come, we've arrived. Thank you, Jesus. Right? I'm so excited. I can't even sleep. I get back to the hotel and I'm like, oh Jesus, thank you. We lived. Praise God, we lived. Right? And and then I said, God, I think you've released over Global River a healing anointing ministry. 
thank you, Lord. And he goes, no. Um, Allah challenged me, and I will not be challenged by Allah. You happen to be the right people in the right place that I put you there. And so what does that have to do with faith? There's conditions that are oftentimes, they look scary. That was one of the scary moments of my life because I felt such responsibility for the team as well. And we were in an adverse place. And so when we look at this faith walk, it has to be active. 8A, active faith, it must be active. We can't draw back. We have to continue in this faith. So let's, let's end with Hebrews 5. We shall not draw back. In Hebrews 5, let's look at verse, let's start in, in verse 7. Hebrews 5, 7. We want to move from any weak faith to strong faith, correct? And so it, it also says in Romans 14 that those who are weak in faith, in Romans 15, 1, it says those who are strong in faith should bear them up. So there's times when, um, if you've been through a long-term battle, especially f- physical illness or just stuff that's going on, you can get worn down. And that's where two or three of us need to come together and lift each other up, right? And so without being preachy, uh, that's... We just need to be encouragers, right? All right. In Romans 5, let's look at verse 7. While Jesus was here on earth, he, I'm sorry, Hebrews 5, correct. Hebrews 5, 7. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. Remember in the garden where he cried three times, take this cup from me, Father? He sweated blood, and God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was the Son, God's Son, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. And in this way, God qualified him as a high priest. Now, in the priesthood of the believer, you are a priest. Revelation 1.6, kings and priests. Well, I don't feel very priestly. I don't feel kingly. doesn't matter. You're not of this world. You're from another world. You're citizens of another kingdom. You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Peter says you're living stones. You're a holy nation. You're a royal priesthood. So in this priesthood, you're being qualified right now by the things you're going through. And in that, if you're here, so you're still in faith. The enemy hasn't won. You're here, right? You may feel like, I need help, but you're here. You're still in the fight, right? And when you're still in the fight, guess what? It qualifies you. That will, I believe, the days when we sit before him, he says we provide him with these crowns. I believe those are going to be the crowns. You suffered this, and you didn't deny me. You battled through this, and you didn't give up. It didn't work out the way you thought it would work out, just like those Hebrew faith guys in 11. They pursued God but never saw it. And they're waiting with such a cloud for us to run our race, to finish this thing, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher. And when we do that and we walk this faith, so let's stand. I want to invite our ministry team to come. I want to invite Kingdom Men to come on back up, just play some quiet music. I'm going to ask God to release an impartation of faith, an impartation of faith.
We know there's a, there's a measure of faith that we all have, but there's also a gift of faith. And we know that faith can be increased by hearing the Word of God. But God, I'm asking you now, we've heard the Word. We've spent four Sundays talking about the law of faith and the just that will live by it. So God, I know that you don't release message and word like this, that you're not going to provide us so many opportunities out in the community, at Curie Beach, or at the back-to-school event, giving backpacks to children that don't have a lot of money. Outreaches, Legion Stadium, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in the places where we interface with people. God, I'm asking for a, a supernatural, almost a sovereign experience of listening to what God has to say and then being obedient to hear it. So Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you'd release a gift of faith that operates in this body. I'm asking you, Lord, to encounter us in ways that we would see the moves of God that those who are sick on August 2nd, they'll hear the message in the radio from invitation. They'll see the sign out front and they'll come for healing. And there'll be faith in the house and we will see the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, those who are terminal. God, I pray that you'd bring about such an event that you receive glory. We, we are in no interest of being self-glorified, God. We put that aside. We know it's all about you. It's only those who use your name, who are part of the family. We're about the family business. We thank you, Lord. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you just come. and Why don't you just position like you're going to get a gift, <laughs> if you want it. You have to act on it. <laughs> so this week, if you get prompted by something you see person or circumstance, pay attention to the small voice on the inside of you that looks like, man, that might be risk, right? They say faith is spelled R-I-S-K. You got to step out and you got to act on it. And the results of it are not yours to worry about. You do what God said and leave the results with Him. So Lord, I pray right now, Lord, I want it. I know your people here are in pursuit of the more. We're in pursuit of more, God. I thank you. I ask for that gift to operate. But Lord, you need to fill it with love and joy and peace and a good, kind gentleness so that it's not utilized for any self-gain or glory. The sorcerer tried to buy the Holy Spirit when he saw what was happening with the move of the Spirit. God, none of this can be for self-gain has to be for the growth of the kingdom. So Lord, I ask that it would be a pure impartation of your gifting. And we thank you now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray a blessing over this body of believers and those joining us by the airways. May the Spirit of God watch over us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. If you can, join us with the fast on Wednesday. Be praying for the government. We thank you for being part of us. Don't mark your calendars for 
will be here to overcoming the bait of Satan. Any offense? If you got any offense in your life, come. It'd be great. That's Wednesday night at 630. All right. God bless you all. Thank you.